Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. So great to have you here with us on the program today. We've got a lot to get into. Derek Lively II declared for the NBA draft officially. We had several days with no news taking place, but here we are yesterday afternoon. Derek Lively declared for the 2023 NBA draft. And on this fine Wednesday, I'm so fired up to bring on my buddy Raul Clement to talk about all of the news and what it means for Duke basketball moving forward. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Watch the show daily each and every day on YouTube as well. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Continue to support Lockdown Blue Devils. Your support means the absolute world. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. And I'm on Twitter as well at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. So without further ado, let me bring on my pal Raul. And we'll talk about the big news of the day uh, yesterday afternoon. Derek Lively II declares for the 2023 draft. We kind of expected a decision like this would be coming. Yeah, for sure. Um, I haven't seen the latest mocks, but I had seen him kind of mocked in that like mid first round range, like 15 to 20 or so. So I think when you're in that area, you kind of got to go, at least in this day and age. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly where I had been seeing him recently as well. I know I posted Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer, had him at 15 um, to the Atlanta Hawks recently in a mock draft. So it feels as though you're right. If you if you could get that kind of mid-lottery range, or excuse me, post-lottery, mid-first round, then yeah, you absolutely got to take that chance and go start your professional career at the next level. What do you think impresses scouts about Derek Lively's game? I mean, just his defensive mobility, right? Um I remember seeing some tweets after our first round game over uh, Oral Roberts where, you know, scouts were just salivating over his ability to kind of hedge and recover, you know, get out, contest three point shots, get back into the lane, protect the paint. Yeah. We saw in the one shining moment after UConn won the national championship Monday night, a Derek Lively, the second block shot was the one Duke clip that we got in it. And look, you look at his defensive performances, that he had throughout the season. I think we are always going to be remembering that game he had against the North Carolina Tar Heels in Cameron. Eight block shots for Derek Lively in that one. And I think that's a game that we're going to remember for quite some time. Yeah, I think that was kind of his breakout game to me. Sure. And from then on, he played really well, and it really kind of shifted our season for the better. When he plays well, when he was defending at a high level, I mean, this Duke team was – Uh, It just felt like the sky was the limit. Unfortunately, they ran into a tough Tennessee team, a team that, uh, you know, got got after Duke defensively, very physical, very aggressive. And we don't have to rehash what happened there at the end of the year. But it certainly felt like as Derek Lively II came into his own, so did the Duke men's basketball team, right? I think that their ascensions were on a similar timeline. And when you think about what was expected of him coming into the year, that makes total sense that it happened that way. Yeah, I mean, he was a bit slower to uh, develop than maybe we're used to with a number one prospect. But, you know, not all classes are equal. And we kind of knew this was maybe a little bit weaker class coming in where you didn't have the like Paolo Bancaro, Zion Williamson types. So 
you know, just to see how he progressed throughout the season was pretty special. I think it was him and Proctor really that their ascension yep. uh, kind of charted with Duke's ascension. Yeah. Look at Lively this season and uh, obviously hit us up in the comments below to help me with this research here. It's what was that stat? Like his first 19 made shots of the season were all dunks, right? Like it really took Lively a little bit longer to get other shots to go uh, in preseason and in the summer. I, people were talking themselves, myself included, into a three-point threat that Derek <laughs> Lively the second could be. And that just wasn't exactly the case this year, that offensive game. And I think that's what the scouts are going to see as well. While you are excited about the potential and the defense ability and that sort of thing, there are some major question marks even still about what his offensive game will look like. Yeah, I think, you know, at the next level, his role is going to be that Clint Capella type, like that rim running, you know, rolling big. Uh, but if he could add a three-point shot, that would just kind of take him to the next level. And that's the kind of thing he could have developed if he came back. But honestly, you can work on, on that in the pros too. You have more time to do it because you're not going to class. Yeah, no, and you get to focus strictly on basketball. Exactly. When when uh, when academics are not a part of your life, um, and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, were you a little underwhelmed with this offensive game, or did you have higher expectations? Like, how would you summarize the offensive output of Derek Lively this season for Duke? It was actually about what I expected. Okay. You know, I had kind of read the scouting reports, and I kind of understood that he was going to be more of like a Tyson Chandler type, not really you know, vaunted for his offense. I maybe expected him to score more like eight to 12 points a game instead of whatever he finished at. But, you know, I still did not expect him to be one of our leading scorers. And I expected most of his production to be on dunks. I thought he might hit some threes and he did kind of start to take a few, but what did he hit one on the one, year or something? Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Didn't get a whole lot of three point shot production from him. That's for sure. But uh, left it for the other guys on the team to knock those down. Derek Lively, the second has declared for the 2023 NBA draft. He will start his professional career. Uh, we'll take our first time out of today's show and continue the conversation here in just a moment. Lockdown Blue Devils today is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's premier sports book. Make sure that you are on FanDuel as the NBA playoffs are almost here. And now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, three-point shots drained, and so much more. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team 
every day. Welcome back in here to Lockdown Blue Devils. JJ Jackson alongside my power, Al Clement from the Devil's Den podcast. Do us a favor, promote the podcast. Tell us a little bit about you guys. Yeah, uh, we've been doing it for over a year now. I think I just looked and we're up to like 80 episodes or so. Awesome. So, you know, we've had pretty significant output over the last year and a half, two years. It's even hard to say how long it's been, but, uh, you know, it's going well. We've had a lot of nice guests. Uh, recently, we just had Zion Olegede, uh, big kind of Twitter personality, runs Duke NBA account, um, is the social media coordinator for the Nigerian men's basketball team, writes for complex sports. You know, so he's a, he's a pretty hardcore Duke fan. He's fun to follow on Twitter. So we had him on. That was a nice talk. Absolutely. Go check out that episode. Zion's been a, a guest here on Lockdown Blue Devils before. Absolutely promote his work. And again, leave the Devil's Den podcast a five-star rating and review. So Derek Lively II declares for the 2023 NBA draft. Pretty significant. Duke's big shot, per, shot blocker, uh, rim protector, had big shoes to fill with the just – humongous numbers that Mark Williams put up the season before in Duke's final four year. Lively from the defensive end of the floor, while the counting stats weren't there, he still had just as big of an impact, I believe, as a rim protector that Mark Williams did. Do you agree with that? I think he was an even better defender than Mark. Uh, You know, Mark had a tendency to kind of uh, bite on shot fakes you know, and maybe kind of give up offensive rebounds behind him because he was going for the block every time. And Lively was, you know, he blocked a ton of shots. He actually had the highest block percentage in Duke basketball history. But I still felt like he was a little bit maybe more disciplined in the way he would chase blocks. Yeah, I think that's fair. And obviously that benefits when you can be a little bit more disciplined because foul trouble becomes a big issue when that takes place and that sort of thing. Well, he did get in a lot of foul trouble, so that's true. But (laughs) yeah, you got better as the year went on. He did. He absolutely did. What does it mean for Duke? What does it mean for Duke men's basketball that Derek Lively II has declared for the draft? I mean, you know, there's a couple ways they could go. Um, I've heard they're going to like look around in the portal and try to find another shot blocker. Yeah. That's not necessarily a need. I could see it going either way because, you know, Filipowski's decision is still up in the air. And if he comes back, he could theoretically play the five. And then you've still got Ryan Young coming back and you've got Sean Stewart who is more maybe of a four, but he could play small ball five in a pinch. And then you've got Christian Reeves. Uh, you know, he probably won't be ready, but he's developing. He looks okay when he gets in the game. So between all of them, I think you could manage, but it does seem like Shire wants to play some size. So I can see him going after a portal big. And there are a couple of names out there that we'll dive into uh, throughout the week and continue to keep you updated on who those guys could be. We've got, obviously, this long timeline to deal with now. Lively's going to stay in the draft. Dariq Whitehead is going to stay in the draft. Still have uh, Kyle Filipowski to make his decision. But then there are several guys that are going to declare for the draft but keep open the possibility to return to school. So this could be a long, drawn-out process. I do think if they reflect back on last year, people were – um, a little upset with how long it took Trevor Keels to make a decision, though, in regards to his future um, college status and, and then the late ad of Jacob Grandison. Hopefully we get answers sooner than that. Yeah, I've heard that uh, Shire kind of politely requested that they make their decisions a little bit sooner this year. <laughs> yeah. So, But I could still see it dragging on a little bit. But, you know, compared to last year so far, we've gotten – 
you know, three decisions pretty rapidly. I could see uh, flips uh, coming pretty soon. Uh, I think Roach might take a little bit longer. He's got almost a tougher decision to make. He does have a big decision to make. So, uh, Flip, you think he is coming back? Is that kind of where you're at? Or if you were to have to make a prediction here, what would you say? Yeah, that's what I've been leaning towards. Uh, you know, just some of the stuff he said kind of coming into college. And I know things change, but then just some of the vague rumors I've heard, you know, nothing concrete. I don't have like inside info, but that's just the sense I've been getting. But, you know, it is going to be hard for him to turn down, you know, yeah, a possible chance at being a lottery pick. I don't think he would go that high, but he seems like a first round lock to me. So you know, when you get in that territory, that's a that's a tough decision for sure. Really hard to say no to that. That's why, I, you know, I kind of felt like, yeah, he's going to come back for a second season. And then the longer this goes, it feels like you're seeing his name more prominently there in the first round even still. And <laughs> I don't know, I get nervous. Like, I, obviously, <laughs> uh, you want him to make the best decision for himself. And uh, it feels as though the NBA could possibly be that, although – People do want to bring up that there is the name, image, and likeness piece of all of this, where if Kyle Filipowski were to come back, a bag would be secured by him because, uh, yeah, people are going to absolutely make sure he's taken care of and it's well-earned. I mean, he's going to be one of the biggest names in college basketball if he returns. You know, Duke should be ranked pretty highly. And then just, you know, he's kind of got that personality that lends itself to being in the spotlight. So I can definitely see him doing pretty well with NIL. Yeah, take advantage of that. Come back, help us out. Let's see what the second season looks like. We mentioned kind of Derek Lively, and I I mentioned uh, the expectations that were in place and kind of where Lively ended up. Same question for Flip. The expectations that you had for him going into the year, and where did they end up? Oh, he surpassed them for sure. I think so too, yeah. Especially out of the gate. You know, I had heard that it might take him a little time, you know, that he was looking a little bit raw in practice and you never know how that goes. But then suddenly, you know, game one, he's clearly our best player. And, you know, maybe by the end of the year, you could argue some other guys had surpassed him. Like Roach was playing great at the end of the year, but at the beginning of the year, he really carried us. Yeah, he had that double-double streak, remember, that was going on for so yep. long and set some Duke freshman records for double-doubles to begin a career. I, I definitely think that Kyle Filipowski surpassed all the expectations that I had for him. And, um, yeah, man, it just – I don't know. The longer these things play out, the more confusing I think it gets. I think you talk yourself into a million different scenarios about whether or not he's going to declare or come back. So uh, what we do know is that Derek Lively II has now declared – for the 2023 NBA draft, along with Derek Whitehead. And then Jeremy Roach still has a decision to make. Tell me what you think ultimately ends up happening there, Raul. This one is crazy to predict. Yeah, it's tough. You know, my understanding is that he was on the three-year graduation plan. So, you know, he's been in college for three years. He might just be ready to get on with his life. But at the same time, he's not really an NBA prospect Right. You know, he can test the waters, but I don't see him garnering a lot of interest. You know, not super athletic, not not a big guy, um, not an elite three-point shooter, not super speedy. So I don't really see the, the kind of market there for him. Uh, you know, if he returned, it would be a pretty crowded backcourt, though. So that could kind of influence the decision as well. Like, does he really want to come back and possibly see a reduction in minutes even yeah. as a senior? Right, because there's a chance that he's coming off the bench with the guards that Duke has coming in. 
uh, both Caleb Foster and Jared McCain and then Tyrese Proctor, uh, you can only assume is going to get better in that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's hard for people to make a definitive answer whether or not they think he's coming back or not because uh, it is just so 50-50. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. What did you make of Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell deciding to return for their sophomore season? I mean, it's a huge step in the right direction. I've been complaining for the last few years about our inability to retain these kind of marginal first round prospects. Right. You know, I don't, I don't even think uh, Mark Mitchell was a first round prospect, but Tyrese certainly could have been right. But you know, we were losing guys like Trevor Keels left and right really. And that just makes it hard to build any continuity in your program. And as a fan, it's a little hard to watch because you don't feel like you're building towards something. So if you don't win a title that season, it's just like a hard reset. So to have them back is just beautiful. And it kind of, you know, takes me back to the days when we would get to watch, you know, Leitner develop for four years or whatever, right? For sure. No, you're exactly right. I'm fired up to have both those guys coming back, what they're going to mean to the program. I think they both got so much better throughout the season. Uh, Proctor, especially Mark Mitchell's offensive game. Uh, you know, there was that stat going. Duke was 18 and one, 19 and one when he was in double figures. And, the three-point numbers continued to go up for Proctor throughout the year. So I think the ceiling is certainly high for what this Duke team can accomplish. Thinking of and speaking of Duke teams of years past, we're going to take our final time out here on the show today. And then there is a special moment in Duke basketball history that happened on this day many years ago. We'll discuss that after our final break here on the program. Thank you so much for watching Lockdown Blue Devils today and making us your first listen. For your second listen, make sure you go check out the brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything that you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you can hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Now that the season has come to a close, what can we expect out of next year? The way too early rankings are in place. Duke, one of the top teams going into the season right now, according to our experts. Go listen to it. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Final few moments here of today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Raul Clement here from the Devil's Den podcast. Make sure you go check out their work. Leave us a five-star rating and review. So, April 5th, 2023, our date here today. 13 years ago today in Indianapolis, a Duke men's basketball team was in uh, taking on Butler, uh, basically a, a road game in the title game. Uh, Coach John Shire was a senior on that squad, as we well know. What do you remember, Raul, as we kind of reflect back 13 years ago? Just how special a season that was and how unexpected that title was, really. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody had them as, you know, a championship favorite coming into the season. And we knew they were going to be a pretty good team because they were returning a lot of players. But my expectations weren't super high. And, you know, UNC was just coming off that title. And uh, Duke had just missed out on Harrison Barnes as a recruit. So I was feeling a little bit low almost. And then, you know, slowly but surely throughout the season, that team kind of coalesces into something special, you know, especially starting with uh, Brian Zubek's kind of breakout, like two-thirds of the way into the season out of nowhere. He just becomes the defensive anchor and rebounder that we need. And that kind of vaults Duke, you know, all 
all the way to the championship. Beyond that, I just remember um, it was an ugly physical game. And then, of course, you yeah, have to remember the last <laughs> the last few moments of that game, like uh, Zubek's kind of defensive masterpiece there. Um, and then purposely missing the free throw. He kind of hard hedges um, Gordon Hayward to slow him down just enough. So Hayward has to take like a 60-foot shot. And it still almost goes in. You remember the call. It almost went in. It almost went in, right? <laughs> and Duke so that's is all the, the king stuff of the that dance, 2010. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. 13 years ago. It's crazy to think about where that was and uh, just the memories that so many people had with that game. That 2010 national title always going to be special uh, for so many, including Coach Shire. For me, coming into the world in 1995, I was a little too young to remember too much from 2001. So 2010 was a special championship where I can remember vividly the entire season and truly appreciated what was taking place. The fact I got to watch that game with my dad and brother is going to be something that I remember for many, 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 many years uh, when it comes to the life of a Duke basketball fan. We love those championship moments, man. And uh, it's crazy that that one was 13 years ago. We need more of these so we don't have to reflect back so far. <laughs> right. What is it? Uh, we're going on like nine years now Yeah, since our last one. It's yeah. about time. It's about time. It is absolutely about time to get one of those new moments for sure. Yeah, what a game that was. Butler of all teams uh, to come out of the big dance and to, to face Duke in that title game. Shire, Smith, Singler, that backcourt that they had, uh, you know, had the Plumley brothers on that team and, Zubek playing the way he did, like the ascension of Brian Zubek that season uh, was pretty awesome uh, that he came into his own there come tournament time. Yeah, I remember uh, Seth Greenberg saying uh, he's a mountain masquerading as a man. That quote always <laughs> sticks in my mind. He was because he was just huge. He was, right. and he just took up so much of the lane and just such a physical force. That's a good quote. <laughs> I hadn't come across that one. That's awesome. Man, 13 years ago, Duke, the national champions, and hoping that we can become national champs there in 2024. Raul, in general, as uh, we wind down today's show, what are you kind of expecting early looks at this team? Obviously, many, many paces still need to come into play via the transfer portal, via you know Kyle Filipowski, potentially, Jeremy Roach. How about someone like Jaden Shute, Jalen Blakes? Do they transfer away from the program? Still have a lot of decisions to be made. But still, right now, on April 5th, what are you thinking of next year's squad? I think they're going to be really good, like yeah. out of the gate. Um, it's not just the returnees. I think this class offers a lot of what we lacked previously, like especially shooting. No kidding. You know, you saw Jared McCain win the three-point contest. Foster's an excellent shooter, too. Mbako could be a great shooter as well. So I think you're going to see better. Shoot it. Yeah. yeah, exactly better spacing. There's going to be a lot of competition for minutes though. So like you said, do shoot and Blake's want to stick around and battle? I don't know, but you know, the opportunity is there because Shire does like to play deep. So I think he's going to, you know, he's going to be able to do that this year for sure. Raul, always appreciate you stopping by. Give me one more plug for the podcast and where people can find your work. Yeah. I mean, any place that podcasts are streamed, uh, you know, so Thedevilsden.com, uh, you know, usually we'll put up little articles about the various podcasts. Uh, so, awesome. you know, you can go there, kind of check it out. Um, obviously, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, you know, uh, during the summer, we're doing like um, one every two weeks, maybe. 
but we're going to have some nice guests on. So look for that. I love that. And follow him on Twitter at roll Clement one. Awesome. Raul. Thanks for the time. We'll do this again soon. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. That is Raul Clement from the devil's den podcast joining us here on today's show. So much fun. That was again, Derek lively. The second has declared for the 2023 NBA draft. His time in a Duke uniform has come to a close. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.